Welcome to Pardon My Franchise, the podcast about the feeling when Romero directed three Night of the Living Dead sequels in the 2000s. What? No yeah. way. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Nora. I'm joined by Autumn. Hi. It's a new podcast. It's a new podcast. It's familiar, but not too familiar. <laughs> but not too not familiar. <laughs> you know the thing about movies. Can't say that anymore. I'm canceled now. Anyway. Go. You know about movies? I, I'm aware of movies. You know, sometimes they have narratives. I know yeah. you're not as familiar with I'm, those. I'm, I, I have heard tell that films have stories. I, I I don't know. Do not reach for the really loud crinkly bag. I could see so, you. <laughs> I was reaching for the loud crinkly bag of chips to put it over there so there was space for my coffee. And then I was like, let me just not even touch the loud crinkly bag of chips. Let me just not even like put it somewhere better. It's just going to sit right where it is. My coffee's going to go here. Right next to the mic so everyone can hear that instead, which is better. That's fine. It's better. I <laughs> oh. just said that. <laughs> I was getting defensive, right, as you said. That's better. <laughs> uh, the thing about movies is that sometimes they have narratives, and yeah. sometimes they have sequels, which is when they make another movie afterward to continue the narrative. Now, I am aware of this phenomenon. Sometimes they continue thematically instead of narratively. Yeah. But thing is sometimes somebody makes a movie uh-huh and then they might make a second movie but then a company owns the movies yeah and they might decide we want a third movie and the guy who made the first movie might say mm, i'm making better movies now <laughs> but the company will keep making the movie because yeah. they own the movie and this podcast is about there are five Scorpion King movies. How there, are there five Scorpion King movies? There's a fourth Blade movie you've never heard of? Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Uh, but we're not just watching the movies you've never heard of. We're going to watch the whole thing because I want to look at franchises and how they evolve a core premise over time through different lenses and different creative teams and sort of see how a concept will get either evolved or mutilated over time depending on uh what movies we're watching yeah also like if the thing is successful that will impact what happens and what elements get carried over yeah um and one of the things we were talking about is you were sort of like coming up with the concept of this is that we want to talk about things where like you you say that like there are five scorpion kings like we're not going to do like star wars 
you know, Mm -hmm. because Star Wars sequels continue to be culturally relevant. We're kind of interested in the series where, like, maybe the first two movies are culturally relevant, but, like, you just get to a point where it's like, no one's fucking watched this. Or the people who have watched this are like, I'm going to watch all the RoboCop movies, you know? So the things that kind of exist on the periphery of this podcast are the uh alien and terminator franchises which are all still very big releases but let's be real when was the last time somebody talked about avp requiem or alien 3 yeah but like for me terminator and alien i think that's probably like the most popular franchises that will are in our purview you know, I mean, Paranormal Activity is on the on the list. Yeah, but that's that's also different. I'm gonna try and steer away from horror movies when I can, just because that's easy. Yeah, it's like yeah, I could watch twelve Friday the Thirteenth movies and have a horrible time again. Yeah, I could watch all of the Halloween movies and have a slightly better time. Yeah, probably. there are, there. Are... My understanding, and not having seen any of the Halloween sequels, is that there are real highs and lows that will make that adventure rewarding when we someday do it. I just don't believe that Friday the 13th has that. No, Friday the 13th (laughs) is all lows. And um, then this would just be a horror movie podcast, but specifically only the really, like, I guess trashy? Not trashy necessarily, but like the low-hanging fruit of, oh, we're going to watch Leprechaun in the Hood. Yeah. Which we, that gun is on the table still. We'll do it someday. I'd like to stay in like a space where I can do lots of different movies. Like the four or five different Freaky Friday. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, which I guess brings us to, so we were supposed to do this podcast today that we're recording now about starship troopers and now you're gonna roast me a little bit because well you said oh i will watch starship troopers and i said you're gonna be sleepy by the end because you're gonna get high and you just walked away (laughs) (laughs) so my perception was that i was like ah we'll think about it and i walked away to get high and um your perception was that I just walked away, and I I suspect your perception of those events is probably closer to reality. <laughs> so then we were getting ready to watch Starship Troopers, and then you were like, what if we watch something we don't want to podcast about? Yeah, we I was just like, do the uh, podcast later. Let's just have a date night. Let's just not watch something that we're going to talk about into a microphone. And let's... then we decided on Night of the Living Dead, the uh-huh. 1968 film by George Romero. Yeah. Uh, co-written. By I... Joe Russo. John Russo? John A. Russo. Do they both have A's? Are they both A middle names? Um, I mean, they both have A middle name, but... <laughs> It is George A. Romero and John Russo. Okay. I thought it had. I thought he had like. Also, John Russo played one of the, one of the ghouls in this film. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh, he's still living. Good for yeah. him. Oh, um. Quick bit of context is that as we're recording this podcast, I have a turkey in the oven, so there is a chance that like you hear some beeping and I leave the podcast very suddenly. Maybe we'll vamp or maybe we'll cut, but just so you know. That is a that is a background element of this show right now. <laughs> Night of the Living Dead, nineteen sixty eight film, like you said. Um, this is um, so I, I I know a little of the history of this movie. Do you want me to provide that here? Like, sure. So um, George Romero and John Russo were 
directing like various commercials and like um like not like not films like videos in the 60s you know so like commercials and stuff there was something else that was kind of interesting oh industrial films like how to um operate this factory machine that sort of stuff you know um and so they like get better at doing those sorts of things and they decide we're gonna roll the dice we're gonna like make a movie and because um romero had been so like commercially focused like he for years had to work with like deadlines and budgets that like this movie is made for in an incredibly cheap amount of money this is made for a hundred thousand dollars um which sounds like a lot it's nothing they made this, 30 million yeah this movie was made for pennies um and also fun fact that i just found out yeah that it, the script is inspired by Richard Matheson's 1954 novel I Am Legend, which you probably only know of from <laughs> from Will Smith. I should read that book because it it's a like Richard Matheson is like one of those like 50s sci-fi writers. It sounds like who's like influential because a bunch of guys in the 50s read his books and then like made movies about them in the 60s. You know, I'm always interested in the people who are uh popular but also specifically popular with other writers yes this is sort yes. of a gene wolf situation he's, he's a gene wolf he's a uh michael moorcock type figure it seems like you know but also some films here include things like uh, uh the incredible shrinking man the incredible shrinking man he, the omega man he that, was a, that is the the old other uh oh, oh. legend film he he's the writer on the um nineteen sixties like um Roger Corman um uh Edgar Allan Poe movies, The Raven, The Pit and the Pendulum. Those are like huge titans of the like horror genre of the sixties. Jaws three D in nineteen eighty three. That's Jaws might be a candidate for this podcast. Oh, Jaws <laughs> is absolutely a candidate for this podcast. I think there's <laughs> magic at one point in the Jaws franchise you know you know the you know the silly quote about jaws 3d right no um someone asked michael kane because michael kane is in jaws 3d someone asked him what did you think of that movie and he said i've not seen the film but i have seen the house it bought me (laughs) there you go um so yeah this movie is made on a shoestring budget it's a huge success um it is like like you know, this is a year after Bonnie and Clyde, um, which is an, another, like, huge movie of the 1960s and the, like, dissolution of the Hayes Code and the introduction of the MPAA. So Bonnie and Clyde is, like, bloody and, like, sexy in a way that was is, like, immensely scandalous to 1960s audiences. Not scandalous if you watch it now. You're like, this is the most tame movie in the world. It's funny that the kiss in this movie gets censored. Yes. So then Night of the Living Dead, only a year after um, Bonnie and Clyde, this big cultural touchstone moment, I think Night of the Living Dead can still feel like scandalous and gory and sexy now. You know, I think this movie still resonates in a way that that movie does not. Um, And so you you put yourself in the shoes of like a 16-year-old who just got his first car in 1968 you go watch this movie like 20 fucking times with like all your friends. Like this movie has got to like rock your fucking world if you're a teenager, 
you know? It's interesting. We'll get into more of this, but it's very interesting the way that this movie is different from all the things that it inspires. Oh, yeah. For one thing, the way that it just is like, okay, here's we're going to show them eating, like, body parts. But not like, not just like, oh, I'm gnawing on a hand. This guy, we gave him, like, a chicken liver or something and had him munch on it on camera. Mm-hmm. This guy has, like, some kind of rubber hose that we're going to say is an intestine. Yeah. Uh, and we're just going to, like, cover it in, like, slime of some kind. It doesn't really it matter. Work. It's in black and white. Yeah. It is uh, a rip to that whichever ghoul had to eat the intestines. Like, there's stuff in there you don't want to eat. Yeah. That's not food. That's not the person. Yeah. That's their food. So, last bit of, like, cultural context for this I'll give, and then I don't, maybe you want to give, like, a plot summary for this movie, um, is that because of a, like, mistake, much like, um... Just, like, a mistake of, like, oh, we were supposed to put the copyright here, and we didn't. Um, this movie's in the public domain. You this can watch this movie on in its Wikipedia article. That's right. This is the most downloaded movie from the Internet Archive. Um, like, Criterion and Arrow, and, and everybody and their mom has put out a, like, fancy Blu-ray with, like, different commentary tracks and, and um, bonus things, like... There's a, you know, there's like a different end version of the ending that was shot. And so everybody has put out like a, here's the end, here's the original, much darker ending where I think the, I think the main character like hangs himself overnight or something is the original ending of this movie. And then they, they but change, also, the change they make to the ending of this movie is super dark. We'll get there in a minute. <laughs> if you go to the bottom of the page, you'll see a whole smorgasbord of remakes uh, spiritual like offshoots. Yeah. From the from Russo, you have Snyder's Army of the Dead. You have unofficial sequels like the Zombie series that gives us the word zombie. Yeah. Um. You've got movies like Night of the Living Bread, Poultry Geist, Night of the Chicken Dead, Night of the Living Carrots, Children of the Living Dead. Yeah. Day of the Dead Two, Contagium, because anybody can make. A Night of the Living Dead 2. Yeah. Because Night of the Living Dead is in the public domain. Hood yeah. of the Living Dead, which thankfully does not have an image in its uh, in its Wikipedia page. Um, oh, God. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I bet that's racist. <laughs> so I was to say, uh, a very important movie and a very good case for Star Wars should be public domain. Yeah, Star Wars should be public just the first movie. <laughs> just a new hope, that's all you need. Yeah. You don't need, you know, the Jedi code as presented by Yoda on Dagobah. Yeah. You don't need the bounty hunters. Just take the this is kind of I feel like what some of the visions shorts did is that they, they kind of just took the concepts from A New Hope. Yeah, totally. Um I think that the first entry of any franchise should be Public domain if it becomes popular enough. Terminator, public domain. God! <laughs> Alien, public domain. <laughs> Holy shit, that's a fucking concept. <laughs> Do you want to give a plot summary of this movie? Sure. Uh, well, they're coming to get you, Barbara. They are coming like, to get you, Barbara. It took me a second to process. I was like, we fucking talk. Oh, right, the beginning of the movie. <laughs> so, we start with Barbara and... Uh, Johnny. Johnny, an ambiguously tied pair of individuals who are going to a grave to put a cross on it. The, Later on, we realize that they are siblings. I thought they were just quarrelsome uh, spouses. Yeah, I thought they were just like 20-somethings who were dating and kind of hated each other. But no, they're siblings. 
I didn't even think they hated each other. I thought that this was just the time. <laughs> yeah. I thought he was just ribbing her. But no, they are siblings. Um, they're going to uh, put this cross on their dad's grave. They have to drive three hours to get there, put the thing on, and then drive three hours back. Ne- I mean, neither he's... he doesn't want to do it. Yeah, and he has he has his uh, his driving gloves, mm-hmm. which is very weird. But okay, it's fifty years ago. I've thought about getting driving gloves. Shut the fuck up. I know uh, someone listening to this podcast wears driving gloves. I'm pretty sure. I I I'm fairly certain one of our friends wears driving gloves every day. Well, anyway, you can't, but they can. I'm thinking about it. <laughs> Barbara is a girl. She has very few character traits. Yeah. <laughs> he uh, Johnny starts teasing her, saying, oh, look, that weird guy is going to grab you. He's going to get you. And then he does do that. Yeah. Yeah. He's like playing a joke. And then the guy actually does just like do it. Uh, he fights the guy off, kind of, and then gets killed when the ghoul... Um, conks his head against a gravestone and the the guy keeps chasing her uh johnny had the keys so she runs away it says here that uh judith odea odea mm-hmm. i i would assume that's judith oday but i don't know oday yeah that's how i read that but uh it says here that she performed her own stunts which she jokingly claimed amounted to lots of running <laughs> <laughs> we get about 10 minutes of her running through various locales. Yeah. Outside, inside, gets into a house, um, manages to get away from this one guy, but he's still outside. Soon, another, a newcomer shows up in a truck. Mm hmm. This is Ben, though you wouldn't know it from watching the movie. Yeah. Um,. Because specifically, there's a gas pump outside this house. So he pulls up in his truck and he's like, oh, there's a gas pump. Let me use it. Oh, it's locked. Oh, now I'm going to run inside. This truck is also a truck that he just took. Yeah. So he's there. He, he is also a black man. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is notable for reasons we'll get into later. Yeah. He tries to be the the hero. And he's in, like, we got to board this place up. In we every find other food. In every other movie inspired by this movie, that works. Yes. <laughs> uh, he tries to... I guess this is what Rick Grimes... Is that his name? Yeah. His name is Grimes? I'm pretty sure. That's, that's wild. It's it's weird in season four when he starts dating Elon Musk, but you know. Uh, I saw the edit on Twitter. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um... Uh, he's He's trying to, like, you know... Make a plan, execute plan. Uh, they start. Well, he starts boarding up the windows. She's in a in a daze, and she will remain in a daze for the next forty minutes of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, soon, some people burst out of the cellar of this house, and they are uh, um, Harry the Cooper, Cooper family. Harry Cooper and Tom. Yeah. The Coopers consist of Harry and Helen and their uh, daughter, Karen. Yeah. Another and character who I don't think is like actually named in the film. I think she says Karen one time. At yeah. The um, they're also joined by Tom and Judy. Yeah. For a younger couple. And the five of them have been holed up in the cellar and they didn't come out to help or anything because they were scared. 
Yeah. Cowardy. Yeah. They, they were basically just like, oh, we'll let the people upstairs either die or handle it for us. Then there's a long argument about whether they should hole up in the house or hole up in the cellar. Because if they stay up in the house, then they can fall back to the cellar and they have access to the radio. But if they go into the cellar, there's nowhere to go from there. It's a whole argument that I think they have like at least one and a half times. Yes. And it, on paper, that sounds like boring as shit is just like arguing is just like characters arguing about like where we should like should we fight the zombies where should we the fight what? the zombies the, what? The, the ghouls the ghouls okay um like what should we do um and uh it sounds boring but in the movie it fucking rocks it's so good in the movie they listen to the news and eventually watch the news and we get some people talking about at first they're like okay everyone stay home lock your doors etc and then eventually that tune changes to okay we've got rescue centers set up if in your areas like we're showing your local zones on the screen on the television please make your way to these safe locations we've got like Police departments roaming the wilderness uh, and, like, with volunteers to just shoot down all these ghouls. Um, also, we're pretty sure that this is all caused by radiation from Venus. Yeah. NASA sent a probe to Venus. And then it came back and it was carrying a bunch of weird radiation, so they and, destroyed it. Yeah, not, NASA shot it down, and basically it was, like, kind of hush-hush about the whole thing. Because it sounds like people knew... Like, it sounds like the public knew NASA sent a probe to Venus. And it sounds like the public knew the probe did not come back. And it is revealed because of the zombie outbreak that actually NASA, it did come back and NASA shot it down. How much of this do you think will be in any of the sequels? None. None. I, I, don't, I don't think this is coming back. I would be interested to see if they instantly rewrite it. <laughs> if they retcon it. Oh, oh, that was a theory, but actually... We mm -hmm. don't know. Yeah. I, I think that if you have ghouls in your movie, you should have an origin for them. I, it's so it's interesting. Fun. It's so interesting. And we should finish the summary, but it's so interesting that, like, this feels of a piece of, like, 60s science fiction and horror. Like, Spider-Man is bit by a radioactive spider. You know, it's all over comic books. It's in the Twilight Zone. It's in, like other horror movies of its era like radiation is just the thing that people are scared of and so we're gonna put it in everything the way that electricity was a hundred years prior that's yeah how frankenstein gets written yeah absolutely the people didn't really know what electricity was and now it's like oh climate change fears or technology fears or or what have you so that like you know in in modern zombie movies you know um it is often a like plague because i think like doing a plague sort of reflects like fears of the day of like other people and and um you know like can you trust your neighbors or whatever also in an american perspective uh plagues are scary or were at some point because of like healthcare is scary yeah totally uh but more importantly i think that uh watching this movie makes me feel like the walking dead thing where it's like oh we just there's no explanation for why it happens coward like, shit 
It's just like you're leaving story on the table. You're just leaving fun on the table. Yeah, totally. You could just have it be radiation from Venus in The Walking Dead. That would be so sick! I, there, is there anything more fun than trying to put an old, like, pulpy or campy style plot point into a serious thing? This is why Middle Gear is so good. Yeah. Anyway, we should, we should finish the plot summary. They try some various schemes to escape. They try to take the car out to the gas pump and fill it up. And uh, that ends with the car exploding. Because they have to... The, the, the ghouls are scared of fire, so they're, like, waving a torch around um, and don't really <laughs> don't really properly think about how we need to keep the torch as far away from the gas pump as possible. And so, um, you know, eventually uh, Tom and Judy go up and smoke here. And then get eaten. Get eaten. The, the scenes of them getting eaten are so fucking sick. Uh, then they're back inside, and Mr... Cooper almost leaves Ben to die. Yeah, so, Cooper is like, I'm not going to help Ben back inside, basically. But eventually he does, and they board up the window, and they have a fight. Mm. And eventually... The daughter, Karen, has been zombifying this whole time. And we thought that um, uh, Barbara, the one girl, it's like telegraphed like oh she's gonna turn into a zombie but actually it turns out that it's karen that turns into the zombie so karen down in the basement kills her two parents well Um, after ben takes the gun and he shoots mr cooper finally yeah he because the zombies are trying to get in they're like holding ben is like holding up like a door against the he's got like one door that's like pressed up against the outside door to like keep the zombies out. And he's like, Cooper, help me. And and Cooper goes and grabs the gun. Um, well, that's the first thing he does help with that. And then he punches him. And then later he's like, Oh, I need to get that gun. So when mm-hmm. Ben is trying to push a window closed, uh, he tosses the gun to the ground to do that. And then Cooper takes the gun and gets all his people into the cellar. Yeah. And that's when Ben, uh, just, Pulls the board off the window and beans him with it. Takes the gun, shoots him in the gut. He stumbles down the stairs and gets eaten by his daughter. Yeah. And then uh, the wife also gets eaten by the daughter. Well, She gets, like, psycho-stabbed. In a really weird moment that is unlike any other part of the movie. I mean, like, it is... I think you can explain it as an homage to Psycho. Sure. The the stabbing. But the, um... The, like... The high weird, scream. like unearthly, uh, like screams that do not sound like human screams. They're like distorted and warbled and and all these sorts of things. Um, yeah, that is a like sort of ooh, the cinema is happening. Ooh, the magic of editing is happening that the movie does not often get into. The movie is often very like it's grounded very, and realist, it's very or, straight-faced, yeah, and very earnest, mm-hmm. and like uh, here's the set. Here's the road. Yeah. The sounds are all the sounds of the story. Not Mm. like out of text sound Mm. effects like that. Uh, But eventually Ben is alone. uh, Because everyone's dead. He puts a bullet in the heads of the two new ghouls. uh, The Coopers. And he uh, goes to sleep. 
Yeah, he yeah. hides in the cellar, and it's kind of funny because it just turns out that, like, the Coopers were right the whole time, and if they hid in the cellar, the zombies would just give up. <laughs> well, uh, I don't think that's... I, I think saying they're right the whole time is me being a little, like, silly, because I don't, I don't know that that's Because true. what happens after that? Because... He walks out and he gets shot because they assume he's a ghoul, or, depending on your interpretation, they don't care if he's a ghoul. Right, so, um... In the news segments of the movie, we were introduced to, like, these, like, this, like, local militia that's, like, sweeping the area for zombies. Um, and we could talk about them, like, in their social, cultural context in a moment, because I think they're interesting. Um, so there's, like, you know, this local militia that's sweeping the area for zombies, and they come on the house where Ben is holed up. He's the only one left, and he, like... He gets his gun and he like pokes his head out the window because he hears people coming. And as he's poking his head out the window, the militia is like, "There's one! Pop him right between the eyes!" And um, they they kill Ben instantly. Mm. Um, it's fucking dark because so it, I'm gonna repeat something that I heard one time, and I don't know that it's I might have the details mixed up, but supposedly. Russo and Romero write the script, and then when they're doing auditions, decide, oh, this black actor needs to be um, Ben, the hero of the movie. And by making Ben a black man, it makes the movie about race, you know? It makes the movie about the fact that, like, none of these, like, white people are listening to Ben, even though he's got good ideas all the time, and if they just did what he said, they probably all would have let would have all lived he would have popped that daughter the moment he found out she was a zombie without a second thought <laughs> um but because it makes it feel like because he's black no one listens to him they all die and then um there's there's like two ways of reading the ending which is the one the militia sees him and is like oh there's a zombie let's get him a what uh, there's a ghoul let's get him mm-hmm. or you just read that as they see a black man and they don't trust him, so they just pop him in the head. And here's an excuse. Yeah. And I, I, I absolutely... That is how I read the movie. Of just like... Yeah. Well, I mean, it, that is an inescapable element. That, like, I said earlier that this... Some of these things get repeated without that element later, and it goes somewhat differently. I think it's interesting that that is, like, a factor in this... And it's I, in in a weird way that you that like. I think if if Cooper put his head out that window, someone says, "Oh, he's got a gun. He must be alive." You probably. know, but we do see them use tools the whole movie. Yeah, that's so an interesting thing to too. You know, the the ghouls in this are very aware. Uh, you see them like looking around, yeah, and like trying to like use their senses in, in a way that like. Zombie movies after this just depict, like, unthinking masses. They use rocks to smash windows. They pick up boards to hit things with. Mm -hmm. It's not inconceivable that one could use a gun, though we never see it. Yeah. That might be too complex. It's not just that they use rocks to smash windows. It's that, like, they'll, like, throw their hands against the windows, be like, I'm not breaking this. And they'll look around and find a rock and use it. Which is yeah. just, like, not a thing you would see a zombie do in a movie now. Many films fail to remember that humans are tool-using apes. So true. Um, 
And yeah, that's like... You could make the argument that the racial element doesn't matter, that all these little details could be interpreted to fill in, like, what happened without that, but it's so it's such a stretch to do that, and it feels, mm. like, hollow to, to make that yeah. argument. Yeah, I mean, the movie... The movie takes place in is is shot Ambiguous. and takes place <laughs> in 1968. Oh, uh, I thought and you like, meant where, but yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, it's Pennsylvania. Yeah, I assumed it was rural Pennsylvania because that's where Romero is from, but I don't actually know that. Um, but, like, the, the movie, like, 1968 is a, like, huge year for, like, everybody in America is thinking, talking, like about race like malcolm x dies um martin luther king died a few years earlier um robert kennedy's like presidential campaign is cut short by his assassination um and he was very much like for better or worse i'm very critical of the politics of robert kennedy but like Mm -hmm. um he is running on a like oh i'm gonna you know like help out the civil rights movement like that's his pitch um is like and and you know, was on track to become the next president of the United States. Like, that was... I think that it is telling that the elements that we're talking about get preserved but whitewashed yeah. in the future in a way that is, like... um, Clearly, the audience is making the, the next generation of these movies. Yes. Uh, which, again, is just telling, and it's interesting that it's, like... Um, this... that, that change happens... In conjunction with what we will see in the in the near future as we watch more of these, I'm sure. I don't know how much of this is going to be in the old Romero films, but the 2000s Romero films will probably have some amount of the, like, um, I could do this. Mm-hmm. The, like, individual, I could do a zombie apocalypse. I have all these plans for how I would survive in this situation because I've watched all these movies. Um... And I think that I could be a lone wolf against the world and shoot all the people. Mm-hmm. And that element is not really in this. No. But that kind of, like, individualism is, like, a huge part of this type of movie in the future. And it's interesting that that happens in conjunction with leaving this little element behind. The this, thing... this is all predictions, because I just have seen other movies like this from later yeah i don't know how romero is going to take this so you know we're both like we were both born in the mid 90s we grew up no i was not born in the mid 90s 1993 is like the middle of the 90s no it is not it's the early 90s well whatever we're born in the like we're Five, five and up rounds up this is how they teach numbers. I know five and up rounds up. I'm saying that 1993 is sort of the mid 90s. I think we're gonna get comments. Regardless, I was leave a comment, <laughs> post a comment on the website. I, I am not trying to make a, a, a definitive statement about what is and is not the mid 90s. What I am trying to say is that we are of an age that, like, I remember the zombie fad really hitting hard when i was in high school um and middle school Mm -hmm. i'm not sure i I imagine that's the same for you i mean those age ranges you didn't go to high school but yeah um and so 
for better or worse, there's like a lot of zombie fiction that is like, I remember getting a little tired of the zombie fad before um, a lot of my friends did, but it, it, it hit me, you know, I bought World War Z and the zombie survival guide, I watched, um, I watched the Dawn of the Dead remake when it came out, now I haven't seen it since it came out, so... I don't remember a fucking thing about it, but, like... I never got really into zombie stuff, but I did watch, um... Eventually, I watched 28 Days Later, just because I knew that that was the... As far as I know, that was the uh, beginning, or at least the popularization of the fast zombie situation. Mm Mm-hmm. So this is another thing, is that I think about the zombie fad as defined by video games as much as um, by... Pills. Um, we got pills over here. Yeah. God. <laughs> I played so much Left 4 Dead. I played so much Call of Duty Black Ops, but only the zombie mode. I did not care about actual Black Ops, just zombies. Um, like, literally, like, countless nights as a teen playing, like, that zombies mode in that game um i never got like i said i didn't get that much into zombie stuff but it was it would have been so easy for me to be the person who is watching zombie movies and like uh buying bacon t-shirts because that was that was the that was the style at the time yeah (laughs) i uh, it was zombies it was bacon and it was unicorns is that a oh ironic yeah. narwhals thing? yeah narwhals the yeah. unicorns of the sea you yeah say? yeah neon cat neon cat no neon cat is neon neon cat is the character from ruby inspired by the neon cat neon cat thank neon you. cat is is more is a more modern thing i believe that was more like 2010 ish so i remember as a like middle schooler and high schooler having sort of a contrarian streak that like pushed me toward like oh i don't listen to like what's on the radio i listen to like oldies or whatever you know and so the zombie fad i had like one foot in both things of like all my friends are really into zombies so they're kind of like dragging me along with it but also i have this contrarian streak and i'm like zombies are too popular i'm gonna like you know not be into zombies like that but like you know left for dead killing floor call of duty zombies these are just like games that my friends were playing all the time and so i was around when these games were played even if i was sometimes a little like this game's dumb or whatever what year did the walking dead tv show start 2011 i want to say are you sure you're not thinking of game of thrones game of thrones started in 2010 i know that i have no idea when the walking dead started i feel like it was 2009 2010 2010 okay we split the difference so, when did the comic start? Because that the was 90s. out for a while. No, 2019. I would have guessed 97. No, you'd be off by six years. You know how you know how the comic ended? Uh, 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 it, the word I would say is contentiously. I believe. Yes, yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> it just ended. There was like solicits out for like you know the last issue. Right, because it, it didn't end. It stopped. Yeah, so it's it ends with issue 193, and there were, like, solicits out for, like, issues 194, 195. Like, they were, like, telling people, oh, yeah, the series is going to keep going, and then they fucking stopped it. They just, like, 193 comes out, and it ends, and it's done, which is, like, so brave. Imagine, and it, 
brave. Robert Kirkman has the money that he can retire tomorrow if he wants to, and it sounds like he did. When I look at the Wikipedia and I see the thing that happened in the second to last issue, I understand why it ended there. A character Does Rick die? A, a character exits the plot, Rick. and then the story ends, and it's like, okay. Well, because oh, I, I know, because I know, issue one ninety three is like they jump forward in time, and like society is like getting back on its feet, and and like Rick's son is like talking about Rick in a trial or something, and there's like statues of the, Rick. The show is ongoing, so we don't need to dwell on yeah the I, ending of the comic. But I can't imagine the show does the ending of the comic. <laughs> Maybe it does, but I just that's hard to picture in my head. How many seasons has this show had? 10? 11. 11, 177 episodes. <sighs> that's so many episodes. So, one of the things one of the things that you know, you were kind of talking about is that like there's a racial element to the movie Night of the Living Dead. That does not get carried forward. The thing that gets carried forward that is... I'm presuming does not get carried forward. I mean, even... This is the point of the podcast, is to, like, see the things that get left behind and to see the things that get taken up. You know what doesn't happen in this movie? Hmm. The one, the word zombie, obviously. They're yeah. not zombies. They're ghouls. Second, they don't eat brains. They don't eat brains. They eat organs. All they sorts just of things. Eat, they just eat. Yeah, they eat arms, legs. They eat bugs. Yeah, they eat bugs. Um... So one of the one of the threads, I'm I'm just thinking about culturally yeah. what this movie is because this uh-huh. movie is so fucking massive in the culture. So like one of the things that gets picked up by that zombie fad of the 2000s is the like, excuse me, individualist like prepper like um, the gummers. The gummers. I remember many conversations with friends um, where we were like. Yeah, if a if a if zombies attack today, what would we do? Oh, well, we'd go to the school and we would, you know, get, do this and whatever because the school would have food in it or something. I don't know, you know, food. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like this is a thing that, like, you know, we would all like chat about. That is like, and that gets very much taken up by you know Max Brooks' zombie survival guide, like that that element. Another thing that I thought was really interesting that I did not anticipate about this movie at all. Um, so I think World War Z is a dog shit book. I think that movie, or I think that book fucking sucks. The movie's even worse. <laughs> um, but I think that, I think that, that book is super racist, super like imperialist, like the American empire will fix the world. Um, even though it is like a failure, even though in the book, America is a failing state. It will also fix everything for everybody, you know. Um, just the most racist drivel. Um, but there's always the a chance th- we watch that movie with this podcast. There's always a chance we watch that movie. Um, I always found it so interesting. The premise of like here is a here is like journalism about the zombie war. We're going to do interviews and, and um, you know, like, like reporting and, and finding, like, primary source documents about the zombie war. I thought that was, like, such a cool idea, right? And then I watched Night of the Living Dead, and then it's not fucking Max Brooks's idea. That is all in this movie. 
I mean, that also comes from Dracula and further back yeah. to Frankenstein. Yeah, absolutely. Because that's also been a part of like some of the most fundamental science fiction and horror stories. Yeah, I guess in my have. head, in my head, it's like, oh, we're going to apply like Dracula and Frankenstein to the zombie genre. Come to find out, you watch Night of the Living Dead, and it's literally, it's all in Night of the Living Dead. <laughs> you know, um, the like aspect of this movie where. They're listening to the radio and they're watching television broadcasts um, about like, you know, um, you need to get inside, lock up your windows and doors, you know, um, and then like disseminating information about like the militia and the National Guard, what they're doing. People need to try to get to like these certain rescue stations. Um, all of that is like so interesting, like the the peek into the like media culture of the 1960s and this one vision of how that might be deployed to like keep people safe in a time of crisis <laughs> and then also thinking about how uh how very very different that is from uh because if this happened in this way in 2022 nobody would fucking believe the news <laughs> exactly i would absolutely be sitting on my couch being like zombies there's no fucking zombies fuck you ghouls Whatever. <laughs> They're ghouls. God damn it. <laughs> I would absolutely be sitting on my couch being this like... This movie is the reason that the ghoul monster in D&D is, is specifically about eating, like, human flesh. Yeah. Also that it hates light. It's blind. So, like, these zombies don't like fire, etc. It's interesting. Yeah, totally. Also, um, none of them are rotting, really. There's, like, one or two that are a little bit fucked up. Yeah, but most of them are just kind of guys. Yeah, which is interesting. Uh, that will probably be changed in the next film, ten years later. Um, so I have never seen the original. I've never seen any George Romero movies. I have never seen the original Dawn of the Dead, but I know some like, I know some iconic images from it, and I believe the zombies are like rotting and like flesh falling off. But that's also a function of like, it's nineteen seventy eight. He's been making movies for a little longer, and, like, you know, Romero, like, um, Romero, um, is very much, like, a craftsman-type filmmaker, you know? And so, I think my guess is, like, oh, we can do more makeup for Dawn of the Dead, so let's do some more makeup, you know? Yeah. Um... Great movie. It's a fucking fantastic movie. It looks fantastic. Yeah, that's the other thing, is that because Romero, like, had been a working filmmaker for years prior to this, his first feature film, um, it looks incredible. There's, like, a, like, element to this movie where, like, you, they do, like, the handy cam shots for, like, oh, zombies are chasing us, zombies are getting into the house, like, we're gonna get, like, these really intense close-ups and the, like, shaky cam in the 1960s sense of the word not you know how you might think of that when you hear it now um and that all looks fucking incredible and then you also have like when things are a little more calm calm quote unquote they're say they're making a plan about should we go into the cellar or stay upstairs like you get these like really nice composed like tripod shots like romero is very clearly thinking about okay i want the the shadows to fall here and the lights to go here 
you know, everything just looks really nice because, like, he has a lot of experience. There's also certain angles that are used way more. Yeah. Like, we so often see the front room from the perspective of the front door rather Mm -hmm. than seeing the front door. And when it's necessary, we we turn around and see that. But for the most part, it looks like a like a three wall set. Yeah, yeah, like a sitcom or something. Yeah, I would love to know. I don't know if this is just like a house that like they rented out for shooting the movie. I guarantee you, there are seventeen documentaries about this movie that yeah. you can get all the details you want. Yeah. So next one we will be watching is Dawn of the Dead, nineteen seventy eight. Also directed by George Romero. Written by George Romero. Right. So there are a bunch of different directions we could take this because there are, like, as we mentioned at the top, like six different series that spin out of this first movie. But I think we are just going to cover the, like, five Romero... Six six Romero-directed of the dead movies that follow this. That's sort of, like, I think culturally considered as, like, the main line... Of the dead movies. And I don't think that the three 2000s ones are considered part of that, really. Even yeah. though they are. So this first leg of the podcast, we will be watching Night of the Living Dead. That's this one. Dawn of the Dead, 1978. Day of the Dead, 1985. Land of the Dead, 2005. Diary of the Dead, 2007. And Survival of the Dead, 2009. Now, I don't recall, but I, I knew people who had watched all those 2000s of the dead movies. And I'm pretty sure, like, one of those, people are like, oh, it's surprisingly good. And I think the other two, people are like, oh, that's fucking dire. <laughs> well, the poster for Diary of the Dead is does not inspire confidence. It's no. A, now, I'm just going to type a word in. Like, keep in mind, Diary of the Dead, 2007. Found footage horror film. I'm going to just type a word into Wikipedia and get a year. Uh, oh, interesting. Clo- Cloverfield, one year after this movie. Interesting. I would have assumed the reverse. I mean, Blair Witch <laughs> is what actually... You I know. know, but Blair Witch sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen it. Play- I've never actually seen it, actually. I watched it for a different podcast like a year or two ago. I guess that was like two or three years ago. Uh, I thought it was terrible. Not terrible, it was just boring. Um, Which is worse than bad. Oh, one other, like, aesthetic note I wanted to make about this movie is that, like, there's, like, a long portion at the start of this movie where you and I both would routinely be like, oh, I forgot this wasn't a silent movie. Yeah. When someone will talk (laughs) and you'll be like, oh, this isn't a silent movie. The thing it was is, like, from the moment she starts running until she gets into the house and does the phone and you hear the phone, like, Mm -hmm. sound effect. Like, I have forgotten until that point that I was not watching a silent movie. Yeah. And it could be. And yeah. it, it really is, like, sort of... It looks like a silent movie. Yeah. A lot of the time. There's a, like... Visually, it's really... Visually and, like, sound-wise, like, the score really evokes for me 50s horror movies. You know? Feels very much inspired by those things, paying homage to those things. But the difference is that, like, 50s horror movies are incredibly cheap, and so they're shot on, like, cheap sound stages. You know, Roger Corman movies and, and like, you know, Hammer Horror or, or what whatnot are shot, shot on cheap sound stages. 
This is a different type of cheap where it's all shot on location, you know? Yeah. It's a new type of cheap because yes. I think it would have been harder. Prob- I'm not an expert. I assume that the the technology for taking a camera into the woods was not as prevalent in the 50s as it was Absolutely. in later decades. Yeah. And so, and like, now, if something mostly takes place in the woods, you know it's dirt cheap. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this um, is the this is the start of that, you know. Um, so, um, one of the reasons we wanted to watch this is because we started watching Resident Evil. Oh God! Not the movie. Not the movie that we love. I have never um, seen the movie. The recent TV Netflix Netflix series. Yeah. Because we were like, oh, damn, that guy is in it. What's, what's the guy? Lance Reddick. Lance Reddick is Albert Wesker? Okay. Yeah. That's great. And then we watched, like, four minutes of just the most, like, super close-up shots. All the backgrounds are fake. Uh, we certainly filmed this during the pandemic, so there's not a lot of, like, people there's, in there's it. There's, like, a Zoom call to start that yeah. show. Which is just, like... Like, very pandemic aesthetic, not from the sense of of just, like, what you were saying, of, like, oh, we can only have, like, two people in a room together, but also just in a, like, movies just didn't used to feature Zoom calls. <laughs> and it's clearly composited in, there's not, like, it's not like she's holding a thing with the video on it. Yeah. Which I understand is not always feasible to film. Yeah, it's like, she has propped up her phone. And then stepped out of frame. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, which, this movie... This movie Night of the Living Dead also does. There's a bit where, like... so when, most... we're, when we're watching the news segment, the frame of the screen is the frame of the TV. We were watching a screen inside a screen. Yes, and which lets you have a still image of the TV screen where you then composite in, like, the, the video of the... But it's not, news... it's not trying to be naturalistic, like, from an angle. Right. But know. there is one shot, and I... There's one shot where, like, it's... Ben kneeling in front of the TV to watch the TV, and it's really funny because you like look at it and you like. It took me a second, moment. Oh, this is a still because Ben is not breathing or like adjusting his posture at all. So it's just a like right because you can't, especially in 1968, you can't film a TV because of the yeah, like the, the warping the and the rough weight. weight. <laughs> the, you know, the uh, a television produces many images in a row. And mm. film captures less images in a row than that. Mm. So that gets wonky. Yeah. Um, anyway, all I have to say is that just like the camera stuff of the first couple minutes of that Resident Evil show, we were like, can we watch something else? Yeah. Um, and we, we ended up on this. It just it just looked bad. Uh, and we ended up watching this instead, which is much better. And I think that the way that it uses super close tight shots in this movie is so much more interesting and fun to look at than uh we don't have a set <laughs> yeah so when she's putting together a thing we're going to focus on her hands doing the thing and like have a slightly blurry background because we don't have a set for her to be in hmm. and i just it, i thought it looked terrible yeah I, I might look up some scenes later to see some wesker but like yeah lance Reddick as wesker is great casting yeah, um, I don't know. Maybe that show's actually good, but I don't... It, d- it I don't did know. not appeal to me at all in the first five minutes we watched. Um, but yeah, um, 
So we'll we'll do this Romero of the Dead season, and then probably Starship Troopers next. I'm leaning towards Starship Troopers next. Um, and then we'll play it by ear. I assume we can return to like of the dead movies somewhere down the line. Yeah, you know. The next thing we'll do is the Return of the Living Dead series um, in the in the future after some other stuff, which is the offshoot by Russo, yeah, who wrote some books, which got the first one of those got turned into a movie. That's uh, according to Wikipedia. That's where the zombies eat brains thing comes from. Hmm. It's f- because in Return of the Living Dead they specifically eat brains, and so that is oh oh the turkey the turkey babe is not the turkey. Done. The turkey's done. The turkey is not done. Now, as for uh, the typical podcast uh, uh, segment that is emails, please send in emails about the Romero verse to exportaudiopodcast at gmail.com and put, pardon my franchise, in the subject line. We will do all questions at the end of this leg. So, at, in the survival of the dead. Yeah, uh, episode. We will be uh, looking at some questions that we get from everybody. That's the plan: is to gather all the emails per leg and then do them all at the end, because uh, that way you have a bigger window to send them in. Yeah. So feel free send in your Night of the Living Dead questions. Send, you can send in your Day of the Dead questions now. It's not like I'm going to read them. You know. Well, I'll read them when we get there. <laughs> what the hell? But, like, if you just put Pardon My Franchise in um, the subject line, I'll, like, make a little folder in the Gmail, and we can just, like, do them all at once at the end. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I assume that next movie we don't get ghouls anymore. Yeah, I assume they're, like, codified as zombies. Oh, one, one other thing I think you were telling me, tell me if I'm wrong, is that this movie is released in Italy as zombie. I believe that is the case, and that is the reason that the word zombie gets used in the way we use it now. Yes, because then there is an Italian series called the Zombie Series. Yes, which has um, five entries from 79 to 88. Um, I mean, four from 79 to 88 as a sequel to the 68. It also, I noticed in the... Um, Lucio Fulci, I don't know him, but... Oh, I thought you... Uh, that's a name I've heard Lucio. a lot, so... Um, I, I, maybe if I, like, looked at, oh, he did such and such, I would recognize him, but... Um, maybe. I, well, I, just, go to the, just go to the top where it's going to tell me his most famous movies. <laughs> most famous movies. Um, City of the Living Dead, The Beyond... I don't I, recognize any of this. I've heard this name a lot before, I don't know. Um, it's... So, so... Um, I noticed that Dawn of the Dead is a, like, has Italian funding to it. Um, mm-hmm. So I am I my guess is this movie is, like, a huge hit in Italy, which makes sense because, um, like, looking at the movies that are, like, getting produced in Italy at, in 1968, I absolutely see how this slots into those, you know? <laughs> um, I absolutely, um, like... I absolutely see how this is a huge hit over there to the extent where they spawned a sequel, you know. It says, A confusing history has emerged from the practice of reworking films as zombie movies for release in different countries. Um, That's interesting. This is also, you know the thing about House in, in Italy? No. So, 
House, the movie that we have on that Blu-ray over there, the 1977 Japanese horror movie, Hausu, yeah. as I want to call it, yeah. is released as House in Italy. Then there is an 80s American horror movie called House that is released in Italy as House 2. Then there is a sequel to that produced in Italy that is House 3. There is a sequel to the American film House that is released in America as House 2 that is released in Italy as House 4. And Final Fantasy 4 <laughs> is actually Final Fantasy 2. <laughs> so maybe instead of calling it House 77, Houseu, maybe the thing to do is just call it House 1. <laughs> House 0. And call the American film House 2. Um, I thought this was going to veer into House of the Dead, but... No. I mean, maybe. I don't know. I, 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 you know, now that you say that, I'm like, oh, maybe. <laughs> I assume House of the Dead is just a riff on the title. And it, is it not a, uh, yeah, it started out as a video game. There's oh, also the yeah, movies. Yeah, 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 yeah. You okay. know about House of the Dead movie? I know about House of the Dead movies. Um, I should play these games sometime. They seem up my alley, given that I'm such a big Resident Evil and Silent Hill person. I think, are all of the House of... Oh, there's there's only two House of the Dead films, but there was a third that was going to come out. And I mm. believe they're both Uwe Boll movies. Yeah. Remember when people would talk about Uwe Boll like twelve uh, years ago? We we were discussing last night. I don't think I don't think there's any fucking Uwe Boll shit we're gonna cover on this podcast. I think that is a comedy mind that is run dry and a criticism mind that is run dry, and I just don't think it's worth our time. Well, Blood Rain. How many Blood Rain movies are there? At least three. Okay. I guess we could talk about Blood... Blood Rain the Third Reich. Wait, what? <laughs> the whole thing is about she fights Nazis. Oh, I did know that. So the third one is the... Um, then he also has some mass shooter movies. Mm-hmm. But um, not not so interested in that. Yeah, I guess we could... Anger of the Dead. Anger of the Dead, which looks like a Walking Dead movie. <laughs> uh, okay, we are going... Oh, what? Oh, he directed a music video for Nightwish. Never mind. <laughs> I was like, did he, did he like appear on a song? <laughs> this is the end of our first episode. As we mentioned, exportaudiopodcast.gmail.com is the email address to send all of your Romero-verse questions. Um... Yeah, this is our first one, so we don't have, like, a, a thing to do about what yeah. we're looking for in the next movie. But I, if you have any predictions, I think we... I'm not gonna... I'm not gonna predict the word zombie, because I'm pretty sure it's a whole thing in zombie movies where you don't say zombie. Well, okay, here's a little segment we can do. Tell me everything you know about Dawn of the Dead. People love it. People love it. It takes place in a mall. It takes place in a mall. This is where people start, I think... Well, no, I saw this on this page, but... Um, that is the one people point to as being about capitalism, question mark? Commercialism? Um, it's, by deduction, I can assume that Dead Rising is inspired by Day yeah. of the Dead. Uh, Dawn of the Dead. What did I say? You said Day. Whatever. Yeah, doesn't matter. Eventually, one of these has a zombie who tries to use a phone. And huh. they have him in a pen, and they give him a phone, and they're like, use the phone. Huh. I don't know what movie that is. 
But, like, there's some army guys, and they put a phone in the pen with the zombie, and the zombie picks it up like it's using it, but mm-hmm. it's still, like, staring through the glass at them. That's a scene I know of. Huh. I don't know what movie that's from. <sighs> well, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to that, and then I'm really looking forward to, like... Survival of the Dead? Diary of the Dead? Yeah. I'm <laughs> looking forward to, like, there's, like, four more movies after this, and one of them's gotta be good, right? There's five more after this. There's five more... One of them has to be good. It's not like Romero, like, no one talks about the rest of the series, but one of them's gotta be good, right? I mean, I don't feel like, um, I feel like nobody talks about the 2000s ones, but yeah. I've heard people who like Dawn and Day. Okay. I've heard of that. So, I don't know. I also think people liked the remakes, I think. People like that Zack Snyder one. Like I say, I haven't seen it since 2000. Which one? The Zack Snyder Dawn of the Dead. Because <laughs> Army of the Dead, I watched a little bit of. Yeah. Um. Oh, um. We So, we're trying to figure out, like, we want to do, like, Patreon bonus episodes for this podcast. Um, they will be quarterly. Yeah. I pitched, I pitched doing the... Night of the Living Dead remake and the Dawn of the Dead remake, but I don't. We're not married to that idea. We might do something else. But if if people if people want um, episodes about those remakes, feel free to let us know, and we might settle on doing those for the Patreon. I mean, we'll we're gonna do the remake uh, Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, Day of the Dead Bloodline, and Night of the Animated Dead at some point as their own leg. Yeah, but um. My intent currently is to have four Patreon episodes a year, mm-hmm. each one covering a series based on one of these film franchises. Yeah. Examples being the Tremors TV show or the uh, one of the four different Starship Troopers TV shows. Oh, I should I should mention um, this. This absolutely is. Sorry, four Robocop shows, two Starship Troopers, I think. So this absolutely was inspired by us doing Tremors, sort of. If you go to exportaudio slash exportaudio, that'll take you to the export audio feed. <laughs> um, where we just recently... Oh, the fan's on, so we should probably wrap this up. Um, we just recently did an episode about Tremors 2 and 3. We've watched Tremors 4... I assume that we will watch the rest of the Tremors franchise and cover it, like, kind of similar to how we do here, but we wanted to start this as its own thing with a much, like, cleaner version of that premise. But this absolutely, if you're enjoying this, go check out our recent Tremors episode, um, because um, this podcast absolutely evolved out of, you just got into the Tremors movies. Yeah. You've seen four Tremors movies, I've seen three. Where can people find you online? People can find me on Twitter at Autumnal underscore coffee while that still exists. You can find me on co-host um, at Autumnal. Um, up there, I've been doing um, weekly roundup posts of all things export audio. And so if you want links to any of our other podcasts, any of, um, you know... Our other social media or any like anybody who contributes to the other like podcasts um you'll be able to find that there um so yeah you find me on twitter at neither nora find me on co-host at ashworm ash with an e worm with a y you can find stuff i've done at norablake.online as well 
And you can find me on podcasts such as Journal Updated on the exp- on the uh, abnormal, abnormal Map. mapping is what it's called, <laughs> the Second Best Game Club, where I play video games, and Attention Duelists with Olivia, where I watch Yu-Gi-Oh. That's on Export Audio. Um, bye, everybody. I don't have a sign off. We could do. Um, okay, okay. This has been part of my franchise. Fuck. Oh, pardon my franchise. That's that's stupid. No, no. I've been here the whole time. <laughs> <laughs>